Hello, hello, hello. Hi there. We're the Radical Remnant. Everyone, anyone, one God. Welcome to our podcast channel. Today, we bring you a playback of Sunday's Charge Up. We hope that you listen with your spirit and are blessed. All right. Genesis 3, verse 8 to 10. Genesis 3, verse 8 to 10. The title of this message is here. Or as my toddler will say, here. Title of the message is here. Yes, the benefit of carrying your child abroad is start to speak Queen's English. I'm rambling to give you time to find the scripture. If you have it, say I. I if you have it, say amazing, 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 amazing. Then the man and his wife heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the breeze of the day. And they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Say that again. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. How intelligent. But the Lord God called out to the man, not the woman, to the man, obviously, because why? He's the head of the home. The Lord God called out to the man because he's the one responsible for the woman he's carrying about and hiding behind the trees. Hallelujah. The Lord God called out to the man, where are you? Where are you? And then he says, I heard your voice in the garden, he replied. And I was what? Afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. Circle, if you will, write in your worksheets, sheets, in your journals, where are you? Some of you might intelligently start to say, I know where Lamy is going, but just travel with me for a minute. Where are you? And then if you can, which I believe you can, note down where he says, I heard your voice. We miss that quite often for those of you who have heard this verse preached before. I heard your voice. I love the parts in the Bible that are dialogue um, because a lot of us actually have dialogues with God. A lot of us have these dialogues with the Holy Spirit and we um, trivialize them. Because in our minds, hey, I'm not Adam, I'm not Moses, so this isn't a big deal. I'd like for you to start taking note of some of the conversations you have. So we've written down, where are you? We've written down, I heard your voice. Then please, let's write the word afraid. Afraid. And then if you've done write the word naked. The Americans say naked. And um, not being tribalistic, but we had um, a washerman when I was younger, we used to say, 
the baby is naked. So naked. And then the phrase, I hid myself. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as we begin to dissect your word and have a conversation, I pray, Lord, that you speak to every soul. Speak to every soul honestly, delicately, meticulously, and comprehensively in Jesus' name. All right, without beating around the bush, as they say, there are many conversations we've had here at the Radical Remnant. And when we go into the comment section or questions, some of us will use the word, I feel, we'll use the phrase, I feel lost. As Christians, many of us, even if you're a newbie, will identify seasons where, even if we were reading the Bible every single day, even if we're doing, you know, following the, the regiments and the routines and doing the things that we do as Christians, whether it is religiously or sincerely, we will be honest enough to say that there have been seasons in our lives where we have felt lost, yes or no, yes? And if you've ever been lost before, does anybody here drive? Anyway, even if you don't drive, everybody here uses Google Maps now, right? Shout out to Google Maps for helping you know, some of us be confident in our approach to new destinations. Let's assume Tenny, that we have two Tennies now, so we call the boy Tenny TBO fondly, yeah? So let's assume TBO was coming to visit Lamy. And I said, kindly meet me at Camden Market. Um, and TBO called me. If TBO had the directional skills of my firstborn or Laiade, you know, you would have to work through every single like point and Laiade will be saying, I'm going right and this would be left and, you know, different things will be happening because sometimes um, if you watch Modern Family, Cam says God doesn't give with both hands. So I sometimes think that the more intelligent you are, some things just lose you like directions. Slight jab at her. TBO will get to Camden Market and, you know, because Camden Market is a bit of a, if you've ever been there, it's, it's really like a proper market. And me being the short person that I am would be saying, um, TBO, meet me at the stall. You see a man who is this, that, 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 that. And TBO would say, I can't find you. And the next question that I would ask him would be what? Anybody? You can unmute your microphone. Where, where are you? Where are you? And for TBO to answer that question, he's going to have to do what? Look around, right? Look around, maybe give me a landmark. Um, again, if it's Laiade, you know, probably look down at her feet and say, I really just don't know. Just please just come and get me. And you're going to have to use spiritual navigation to find her. God asked this question, where are you? And you know, it's a funny question because God obviously knows where we all are. <laughs> it's a very funny question. But I find it really interesting that God asked anyway. And I think the question wasn't for the benefit of Adam to say, this is where I am. And by the way, he didn't answer the question. If you notice, 
he was asked, where are you? And he then responded, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid and so I hid myself. He didn't say I'm right here behind the trees. He didn't say I'm in the garden, can you not see me? I'm the one waving my arm. He just said what he did, right? As opposed to where he was, travel with me. God asking that question was not for God's benefit, it was for Adam to realize that he was lost. It was for Adam to take cognizance, to, to, to take a record of his actual situation. Now, for some of us, being lost isn't a situation of even spiritual, um, being spiritually misplaced. Sometimes it's an emotional thing. It's an emotional thing. Have you ever been in a situation that's just modeled up? You know, you didn't model it up. You didn't necessarily do anything but you can't quite find your way out of it or you can't quite navigate what the right decision is um, or your emotions are actually clouding what might otherwise have been a very easy decision or a very easy path. Sometimes you being lost is not even um, out of, is not for lack of trying. Sometimes you being lost is actually your way of expressing being tired. Um, sometimes it's emotional lethargy. Um, you've tried and tried and tried in one way or the other regarding one thing or the other, but you don't necessarily feel like you're making progress. And so you kind of just getting to this place where one of my friends calls coasting. You're waking up, you're doing things, but you just don't feel like yourself. And sometimes being lost isn't even a thing you can put your finger on. Um, if you're very self-aware, you, you might go through periods or phases or seasons in life where you just don't feel like yourself. Something feels off. Sometimes it's, it's a reflection of a relationship, a friendship or a family situation where you know someone very well or you've been close to someone for a while, but something doesn't gel, something is off, something is wrong, and you can't quite put your finger on it. And so here where God says, where are you? One of the things that I find as Christians, and I don't know if any of us is bold enough to say it, is that we do exactly what um, Adam did here. When God says, where are you? Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Some of us don't know that we do that. When it comes time for prayer, um, there's certain deeper things, you know, there's certain things that we've either, we either have gotten frustrated with in terms of prayer and they've not been solved. So we kind of just file them off. Like, you know what? I'm not sure what this is about. Just gonna leave that there tag it in a box, archive it as question mark, right? And we move on. Um, for some of us, we pray, but there's certain things we're even afraid to ask for. Uh, for some of us, it's more that we're going through something. We're going through something. And being able to approach God will involve a certain level of vulnerability it'll involve a certain level of brokenness. If you will, it'll involve you being naked before God and saying, this is me, what's and all. Um, 
when you start to, you know, when you get into relationships, boy-girl relationships, you know, people always kind of package in the first part, you know, the getting to know you stage or whatever it is you people might call it now. Um, and, you know, the getting to know you stage, a girl is not going to remove her wig in front of the guy because uh, how far, you know, it's going to be makeup and stuff. The guy's going to speak properly and be like, yeah, can we meet at that place and blah, 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 blah. He's never going to say things like, uh-uh, uh, or whatever it is that is going to unravel the the complete Africanness or wherever it is he's from. Um, a guy is not going to say how much he has in an account. A girl is not going to express how long it takes her to look the way it is that she looks. There's certain things that nobody's going to share. You all, everybody's going to put their best foot forward, aren't they? Um, and then they get to a point in that relationship where you have to make certain decisions. Like, can I trust this person? Can I remove this layer and share this particular thing, this particular difficulty? Um, how do I know that this person's not recording? I mean, this is a horrible time to even try to get to know people because you don't know if a person's recording your conversation. You don't know if there's a screenshot being done and, you know, there's a group chat where you're getting to know you stage is being televised. Do you get what I mean? Um, but there's a certain point, right, isn't there, if you've ever been in a relationship where you have to just bite the bullet and start to do the whole, this is me, um, I struggle with this, I'm bad at this, there's a certain part in a relationship where you have to have that first fight and the person sees the uglier side of you if they think that, ah, this wasn't so patient, there's a part where, you know, all the claws come out and ugly things come out and then you have to come back and put it together kind of works the same way with God because the deeper you get with God you have to go through different levels of vulnerability with God particularly if you're the kind of person who's used to just having your ish together if you're the kind of person who is private you seem to be organized you know you're the person people come to for advice and for logic you're the you're the problem solver and whatnot and so when you start to get to know God one of the first things that might take you aback is realizing that you don't know diddly because one of the things God will do is strip you of all your gangsta and just be like, yo, you don't know anything. I have to teach you. You are too proud. Calm down small, right? And this level, it gets deeper and deeper. The longer, the deeper, the longer, the deeper you know God. You go through different levels of just realizing how much you actually don't know. You go through different levels of realizing that if God does not help you, you are toast right and I think that until people start to go through those levels they've not even started anything I think for Adam this was his first this is me I don't know anything um, phase because one of the things that you will realize as you get closer to God is that vulnerability openness nakedness um, honesty is key now in this case Adam was afraid because he had sinned and so let's just use that as our first, um, should we say, subnote when we sin. Um, because now we have this thing called grace. We sin without really thinking sometimes because we know that there's a way out, right? But if you are indeed in a relationship with God, if it's not just hogwash, if it's not just for the radical remnant, if it's not just for your Instagram posts, you have to admit 
that when you sin, particularly if it's something that you think you should have more sense about, particularly, can we be honest for a second, if you enjoyed the sin, if you were conscious, it wasn't like, you know, a raccoon fell inside and, and just pushed you and then suddenly your lips fell on top of a guy and then you started snogging. It wasn't like that. You went with your full chest, dressed for the occasion and you knew what you were going to do. You know, that kind of sin where you know what you were going to do, right? If it was a fight, you know, where someone had really pissed you off and as you are walking to that person's apartment or to that person's, you know, house or whatever, or as you are picking your phone ready to respond, everything is calculated. The words, you've arranged it in your head, if you're anything like me, you've arranged it in your head, you're going to just start open up with a question with big English of what's happening with your brain. You have, you, you have a walnut-sized brain, you know, I'm the kind of person, if God didn't save me and my mouth, oh dear God, you know. So this, this sin that you're going to God with, it's worse when you went with your mind, when you, as we say now with your full chest, all guns blazing. And you have to go back to God and then what? Repent. For many of us, um, we struggle with going to God, right? Um, and then the worse the sin, the harder it is for us, obviously to go back to God. The deeper you are with God, right? The harder it is for you to go to God and just plead the faith and start to do, look stupid because you know that God knows that you knew better. Do you get what I mean? So you don't even have the English to speak. You, you can't really, you, you've remixed Psalm 51 too many times. So you, you're going to need a new line. You're going to need a new flow and, and it's tough. And so what many of us do is we start to pull away. We start to pull away from fellowship. We start to pull away from charge up. We start to pull away from church. We start to pull away from the people who know us. We start to pull away from the people who can call us out and say something isn't right. And then um, the worst part is if anybody deems it fit to attack you at that point, if you haven't acknowledged it, if you haven't made peace with your involvement in your mess, you start to come up with a script to defend your decision. I'll give you an example. If, for example, you're in a clique with this, I'm going to use girls, uh, TBU, I'm sorry. You're in a clique with girls. There's a guy you shouldn't be dating. You know that you know that you know, but you're codedly dating this guy. And then your friends catch you and they're like, uh-uh, but mega, how far now? I thought we agreed that blah, 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 blah. You're going to start saying, you know, God has just given me a heart. To, to talk to Tunde, um, he's a really good guy when you get to know him. I know he's this and he's this, but honestly, um, you know, God has told us not to judge. Um, and I'm just going to be there for him. And if you really love me and if you're my friend, you're going to support my decision. And as all this BS is coming out of your mouth, excuse my friend, you will know exactly that it is nonsense, but you will be saying it, you know, with phonetics, etiquette, and you know, your head held high knowing that everything coming out of your mouth is nonsense. But your friends will look at you and think, ah. And then if you have friends, you know, that like Abigail will just go here and say, but ah, Mega, yeah, is everything okay? Are you, is, 
you, you can start calling her, you know, sanctimonious, self-righteous and whatnot. When all of that act one scene one is done and you get back to your room and God says, but Mega, where are you? You will answer exactly like Adam did. God, look, um, you know me, and you even know what was happening before I became a Christian. Um, you know where I was. And I, and I don't want Tunde to go through that. I mean, I don't want him to feel like he doesn't, you, you're going to give God a script that has absolutely nothing with God, what God is asking you. Sometimes it has nothing to do with sin. Sometimes it has to do with brokenness. Sometimes it has to do with trauma that you've been through. Sometimes it has to do with pain that you're experiencing. Sometimes it has to do with your mental health, something that you just don't know how to articulate to the next person, to the person who's closest to you. And so how are you going to articulate it to God when you haven't accepted it yourself? Sometimes it's addiction something that you're just addicted, you can't explain it, you can't tell anybody, or something that you've said so many times to God that you still find yourself doing. And then God says, but Miriam, where are you? We had a conversation about this thing last month. I noticed that when you pray, you're not really praying. You're not really here. You're just doing, you're going through the motions. Where are you? You see, this location that God is asking for isn't obviously your physical location. He's asking where your heart is. When God said that David was a man after his heart, it was because David didn't package for God at any point in time. When God was asking Adam, where are you? I find it very interesting, the breakdown of Adam's response. God, he said, I heard your voice. And that's one of the first things that I want to point out is no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter how far away it is we stray from God, have you not found it interesting that God will still speak to you? He'll speak to you in funny ways. He'll send sometimes the most random person just to let you know that he's still talking to you. God will still speak. Have any of you been through situations where it's either you had sinned, it's either you were falling by the way, it's either you were, you know, you had made an error in judgment, you made a mistake, you treated someone badly, and you started to find that your relationship with God wasn't as sound, not as quick, not as nimble as what you know it's supposed to be. And then you hear God's voice. Has anybody here ever been through that? You're just doing something. Sometimes it's the most, most random situations. Sometimes he'll use the most random analogy to just get to you. And that's one of the things that I want you to take out of that is that you will always hear God's voice. There is no storm, no sin, no situation. I'll repeat that. There is no storm, there is no sin, there is no situation that can shut God up. None. God will still speak. The second thing is that Adam acknowledged what, what his driving force was. In this situation, it was fear and shame. He said, I was afraid because I was naked. And I want to ask you, what's your situation? Everyone here has something that we're carrying 
unless of course you're too sanctimonious, too proud, in which case God will find a way to just, you know, level things out one day and, and get to you either we train. What is it that is driving you when you struggle with your relationship with God? We understand that Jesus came, right? Because he wanted us to have an intimate relationship with our creator. Intimacy has a, a certain finesse about it because it's not closeness. Seeing closeness kind, it kind of waters it down. It's a kind of interwoven love that can't be removed. Do you understand? Can't be separated. The same way you can't separate Jesus from God or the Holy Spirit. Do you get what I mean? Jesus wants an intimate relationship with us. And there's a big difference if you're looking at the screen between this and this. Many of us are like this. And that's why when the storms of life come, when difficulties come, we're easily just pulled away. It just needs enough of a pull to take us away. You know, when the storms of life come, we, we may resist, we may try. And for those of you who can't see, I'm putting my hands together. I'm just clasping my hands together as you would when you pray or when you're clapping, right? But then when you link your fingers, there's no separation because no matter how much you pull, they're interwoven. So I want you to just spend the next two to three minutes asking yourself, where's the hindrance? What am I struggling with? What stops me from an actual intimate relationship. And guess what? The answer today may not be the answer next week or next year. Seasons change. But in our different seasons, we, we need to be cognizant of our emotional, spiritual, and physical intimacy with God. When God asked Adam, where are you? I feel like it was like a cry for a, a parent to a child, like, what have you done? Where are you? And it needs honesty. The answer needs to be honest. And when Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked, what he didn't understand was that that's the person you can be most naked in front of. That's, that's you know, there's something that um, one of my aunties says, she says that when you get married, your shakara has finished. And one day I asked her why, she said, because the next thing is that you're gonna be pregnant. And when you're pregnant, I mean, I don't know if you, any of you have any younger ones or um, aunties or big sisters or whatever. You know, one of the most embarrassing things about a pregnant woman is that you keep going to the hospital and sometimes you don't see the same person and you just get there and you have to just lift your legs up. All the younger that you were doing before, you know, your mini skirts, all that is just done because you don't even know who you're going to see, jigget, the, the person doesn't even buy you a drink first. They don't even say, hi, how are you? They just say, legs up, they wear gloves, and they just go all over the all over town. I remember the first time my husband and I had to go for an OBGYN appointment. You know, he was just looking at them like, why? Why, why are you guys just tampering with my wife? 
Anyhow, do you know how many years I had to wait <laughs> to have this access? What is this? But that's one of the things about, you know, being married is that you can't imagine being married and you want to, you know, get dressed and then you go to a different room. You can't change in front of your husband. How far? Do you get my point? When we're with God, we are married to God. You can't package for God. You can't only go to God when things are neat and cute and spiritual and you've been fasting and praying. You must be able to go to God when things are messed up and broken and messy and you've made a mockery of everything. You need to be able to go to God and explain what you can't even explain. And that's why the Holy Spirit is there to sometimes help us to intercede on our behalf when we don't even know what to say. The other day I was saying to someone, I said, sometimes the where are you is, is, is I don't even know God. I don't even know. Sometimes it's a, I don't even know how I got here. Have you ever found yourself in situations where you've actually messed up? I don't know if y'all are too young to have messed up so much, but I mean, I, I, I've messed up well in some situations where by the time I realized I had the mess up was, was gargantuous and I looked at myself, it, it must have felt, the, I felt like now I understand what Paul must have felt like when they said they removed the scales from his eyes because it, it's symbolic. It's not like some, somebody came and did like this and then suddenly Paul started to see like he was, do you get what I mean? It was like he now saw himself. Do you get what I mean? Have you ever been in situations where you left yourself and you went, you behaved a certain type of way, then you came back and you were like, ah, was that me? You fear how far? And then you have to have a conversation with self to say, this is your mess up, wow, wow, wow. You don't package those type of things with God. And that's one of the reasons why we all as Christians gravitate towards Psalm 51 is because it's just so honest. It's so vulnerable. And, and, and the beautiful thing about David is David is talking about how broken he is. So I just want to give you about three minutes to just figure out where you are. And it's a good time to ask that question because I, I like to say that there's something that happens around summer Right, that just, there's a tendency to water down who we are. I don't know why, maybe it's in the air. Um, and sometimes you water it down, not even necessarily in your affiliation. Sometimes it's your presence online. Sometimes it's with your friends. I don't know, something kind of just catches you out. I don't know, right? So it's a good time to kind of situate yourself and ask yourself where you are so I'm just going to give it three minutes um, if it's an emotion that you haven't acknowledged if it's a, an emotional challenge you haven't acknowledged um, if it's trauma that you went through at a point in your life or trauma that you inflicted at a point in your life that you have not yet owned up to if it's unforgiveness if it's bitterness if it's um insecurity, if it's self-deprecation, if it's laziness, gluttony, um, excuses, fear, whatever it is that makes you feel naked, makes you feel, oh my God, 
you know, if anybody finds out about this, that's the thing that I'm talking about. So I'm just going to give it three minutes for you to, to have that honest conversation with self. And of course, if, if you don't have that issue, feel free to twiddle your fingers in the meantime. matter if whatever it is that's coming to your mind is something you feel you've addressed there's a part in the bible that says that a fool is like a dog that goes back to lick its own vomit um and i think that a lot of times we have what i will call this i've arrived spirit where you feel i'm good it's like a false sense of security in yourself um the reason why addicts keep going for meetings, it's not because they're stupid. It's to remind themselves that they have a, a situation and that they need to stay on top of, okay? And so sometimes 
acknowledging these things doesn't mean that you don't trust that God has sorted it out. What it is, is that you're remembering that you are flesh and you are still in this world, right? And you need to stay on top of it. I like to tell people um, that most of the time, it's not when you're climbing that the enemy strikes. He waits for you to be at the top. He waits for you to be in a position of glory, in a position of envy. And that's when that thing that one is supposed to have conquered, like anger, self-control, um, infidelity, you know, you know, challenges with sexuality, that's when that silly, stupid nuisance demon rears its head. Well, Smith is not a bad person. The clap that we all saw um, at the Oscars, excuse me. <clears throat> sorry i'm so in love with fred hammond's voice that if he's singing i can't really hear anything i can't even think so i'm just gonna turn that down a little bit the slap that we saw um at the oscars wasn't necessarily a manifestation of a challenge that will has with anger it's just something unresolved that he maybe thought he was in control of. And it read its head at a time. I'm sure he must have been asking himself, what happened? And when the Bible says that our enemy is roaring, is roaming around, do you get what I mean? It's like that beggar that just keeps knocking. You know, if anybody went to boarding school, uh, I didn't, but I have friends who tell me that there's always that person who never has enough provisions and we're always asking for sugar or something. You know, the enemy is like that nuisance who just keeps going around looking for how to tip you over. Tenny is laughing because he's the one who's always begging for Gary or sugar or something. Um, so when I, when I say please acknowledge things, I'm not trying to make you small. He's about to respond to me now. <laughs> And I say acknowledge these things, it's not because I want to make you small or make you feel small. I want you to have these things in front of you. I want it to be one of the first things that you have a conversation about when you meet your significant other to say, you see this particular thing, I want you to watch out for it because I struggle with this or I have struggled with this before. Um, is I want you to not take your eyes off. So for example, if you struggle with pornography and you've put different, um, what you might call it, controls on all your gadgets, I don't want you to slip and then say, I'm good. Do you get what I mean? I want you to keep the controls there. And so when I say, what is this thing that easily besets you? Call it out and let's deal with it. Is that fair? All right, is everyone done? Everyone is done. If you're done, just give me a thumbs up so I can move. Great. Did you surprise yourself at all? Anybody? How did it feel writing stuff down? Because writing stuff down sometimes is interesting. Anybody? Feel free um, to. I think for me, it just made me realize that, like, I still, like, struggle with inner battles, and it's okay. Like, sometimes I feel like, 
as Christians, like what you said, Lami, about like when you've like kind of reached the top, you feel like who have arrived. And when some certain things were coming to my mind, and it was just like, well, I'm still in this world. Like I'm not mm. a ghost that is just mm. the things going on around me. And mm. yeah, it just made me realize that like I'm a human being too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I say often, thanks, Nini. I say often that um I believe that the enemy takes notes when we make mistakes and we just move on. He learns from our mistakes, even when we don't. He learns from our mistakes. He takes some golden notes out of it. So when we trip the next time, if we're really, really going to be patient enough to analyze it, you'll be able to see some commonalities in a previous situation. He may not come the same way. He's lazy or he's another dude. Sometimes he'll just be lazy and do the same thing, right? Because he can't reinvent stuff, but he can remix it a little bit. So it's always good to, you know, that, that phrase that says, to thine own self be true. I'm going to go very quickly to Psalm 51, our lovely Psalm, verse 6. It says, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom. You desire truth in the inward parts. What that just makes me imagine is those parts that we archive, those um, scenarios, the things we're ashamed of, the things we, we will never put in our CVs or in our experiences, even with our closest friends. It says, you desire truth in the inward parts. And then it says, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. What I believe that means, and you can translate it however it is that comes to you or you understand, is that it is in those places, is it, in, it is in those gems, those secret places, those corners, that God will give you wisdom that is unique to you. The type of wisdom that you cannot even infuse into somebody else, the kind that is just particular to you, that just makes you sharper regarding some things that you can't really explain. So when people say, Miriam, how are you so wise? You can't explain to them that in 2020, I fell one fall like this. I can't even explain to you the details of the fall, but I know that when I sat with God and I was truthful in my inward parts, I know that when I was vulnerable and I was naked before God and I refuse to be ashamed. I know when I acknowledge the guilt and the shame that made me feel crippled, that made me feel less than, and I sat with God and we had an intimate dialogue about it. I know that when I dealt with my imposter syndrome and I spoke to God whole heart, detail to detail about it, I gained some insight. I gained some wisdom and I wish I could explain it to you, but it is particular to me. So you see that Psalm where he says that, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. I believe that for each of us, there is wisdom that is also particular to us, that is particular to our character, that is particular to our purpose, that is particular to the people that we are called to. And that is why Sunday after Sunday, there are things that I can say, share, explain. That is why when you guys come to me with some things that you think are big, and we discuss during counseling sessions, and I say, look, I'm so sure you're not going to say anything 
that is going to surprise me because I've messed up well, because I, I have wisdom that is particular to certain things that I can explain to you in a certain way that somebody else can't. It's not because I'm better than you. It's because I have sat with God and I have been truthful and he has made me to know wisdom that is particular to me from hidden parts, broken parts, painful parts, lonely parts, insecure parts, parts where I've been mocked, parts that I felt were, were um, some kind of interpretation or manifestation of something that made me less. And I didn't realize that those were the things that made me better. And then it goes on to say the, sacri the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. And you see the writing that each of you have done is some um, expression of that contrite heart. Now, I know that you will go through seasons and some of the things that I find myself sharing over the last few weeks and maybe in, into the next couple of weeks, I feel like they're pockets of wisdom for you, not necessarily things that you may need now, but I feel like you may need them in the future. For some of you, you need them now like never before. For some of you, it's going to just glare at you like a deer in headlights when you're in your 30s and you say, hold on, I need this. I remember this. I kept this away. I tucked this away. It's accrued interest and I can use it now. I can use it now. I can use this knowledge now. So when I share certain things, don't dust it off and say, well, this one doesn't apply to me. Let me think about something else. Know this, that um, there's nothing new under the sun. And certain things, certain types of wisdom, they send prayers, you even pray now, that is really for your children and you have no idea about. There's certain things that God may wake you up about in the middle of the night and say, I'd like for you to pray. You find yourself speaking in the spirit and you think you're praying about the exam you have tomorrow. You don't know you're praying for your unborn children. So I know that in this season, there's certain things I might be saying that you might feel, but Lami, I haven't gone through this. So really, I don't really know how to place it. If that's what you're thinking, if that's what you, you might be feeling, then please put it away in a nice account called to be used in the future and tap into it when the interest has accrued. Look at it like some stock that you're investing in that you're going to need in the future. Because when he says that a broken spirit and a contrite heart you will not despise, I want you to know that there are going to be points in your future where the enemy, where people, where situations will convince you to distance yourself from God because all oh, what you've done is just so shameful. Oh, you've messed up so bad. Your name is everywhere. Sometimes situations will happen where the people you thought would have your back won't even be there. You see, when the Bible says that uh, a man of God, a preacher, a pastor, whatever you want to call it, is not appreciated in his own home, it's not really because people are bad. It's because the minute you start to attain a certain level of discernment, a certain level of understanding, a certain level of intimacy with God, suddenly, even the people you thought were your people may not be able to grasp it because you've moved into a new dimension. You've moved up a grade, you've moved up a level 
And so it's like you're speaking gibberish to people you said will be BFFs forever when you wrote in that Leavers book and you said, you know, we're going to do everything together. We're going to, we have a name of this, our clique and whatnot. And suddenly you have nothing to talk about with those particular people. It's because you moved up a grade. So you see this broken and this contrite heart, different, it, it's, it's, it's reminiscent of different situations that you will go through in life that may want to convince you that you've done enough of church, church, you've done enough of praying, you've done enough fasting, or you're not worthy to be in church, you're not worthy to pray, you're not worthy to fast, it's not people like you God is looking for. Sometimes it's something that will tell you it's not someone like you God wants to use. It's something that will make you disqualify yourself from something that you're the most qualified to do. And so whenever you feel or you, you sense that something is moving you further away from the presence of God, you have to ask yourself, Oreolua, where are you? Where are you? There's something Ted said when we were praying. He said, can God trust you? There's certain questions as a Christian that you have to keep in your spirit. And I think where are you is a good one. In Hebrews 4.13, it says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open, laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Just want to sit on that for a minute. Adam said he was afraid because he was naked. Why do we struggle with vulnerability? Why do we struggle to tell the stories behind the scars that we bear? Why is it that we don't realize that the scars that we bear are a means of identification to those who bear the same scars? For example, when I was younger, the dogs didn't remember me, the dogs in my father's house didn't remember me, you know how you go home for summer or whatever. And these dogs didn't know who I was. I went out with my friend, coincidentally, the one who passed recently. And she was having a good time. It was a wedding of who? I don't even remember, I followed her. And her mom now dropped me at home. And by the time I came out, the dogs bit me. Like four dogs just came charging. I mean, it's one of the most traumatic experiences you will ever experience when your own dogs are biting you. I digress. The reason why I bring up this story is that on my right thigh, I have a scar, it's a dog bite. And like 10 years before that, other dogs in our other house had bitten my older sister. And hers was worse. She had like bites on her arms and her thighs. Now, whenever we see each other, we, if you know she's wearing like short sleeve or something, I'll look at that scar and we're like, ah, oh, we that the dogs are bitten. And we just laugh about it. Something funny that we talk about over random things, right? We can identify ourselves by those scars. The things that you go through, you have emotional, spiritual, physical scars as a reminder. And you know, last week I said, you cannot, you cannot um, heal someone when you yourself haven't been wounded. You understand the process of the healing. You understand the nature of the wound because you've been through something very similar. The thing about it is that the enemy and the world will try and make you so ashamed of that wound that you put it away. But everything is laid bare before God. So I want to ask you to bring those things to the surface and start to ask God, 
what the message behind it is. To start to ask God what the purpose behind that insecurity is. Start to ask God what the message behind that inner battle that you struggle with. You know, that one that you can't explain to anybody, but when they just mention so-and-so, you get very sensitive about. What is the purpose behind your mess? What is the purpose behind your struggle? What is the purpose behind your story? For some of you, your, your gifting will be in relationships, maybe because you messed up so big in relationships and you finally found the handle to it and, and you want to share that with other people. For some of you, it'll be about self-worth. For some of you, it'll be about worship. For some of you, it'll be about just being a, a, a lady in 2022 and having confidence. I don't know, everybody's different. Some people will be about their mental health. Some people struggle with self-harming. Some people struggle with like just sexuality, dealing with like same-sex, issues and and bisexuality homosexuality whatever sexuality and you know there's some things that you know we just flip off and say eh, you know some people have porn addictions but the people who have porn addictions are really struggling now who's going to go to the 11 year old boy and tell him you're not dirty the act of what you're doing is dirty but these are the things your body is going through and I'd like to, to show you a better way to deal with yourself because you're harming yourself. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Nobody wants to have those conversations because it's going to involve us being naked and not ashamed. And, you know, I said to you guys um, recently, I said, um, the church has failed woefully in having real conversations. And when we do, we kind of gloss over things. We, we never really get to it. And one of the reasons why my heart breaks um, often during charge up is that I don't see the men. I don't see the men. And, no, and what that tells me is nobody's looking out for the younger ones. Nobody's looking out. Who, who's dealing with the boys between 11 and like 17? Who's talking to them? Do you know what they're grappling with? Now, there are many girls who are talking and, you know, we make it cute online on the gram and blah, blah, blah. But can we remove, you know, all the packaging and now get down to actual issues? I was saying to the team during our meeting yesterday, I said, you know, why is our Instagram page so packaged? Why are we not talking about what we are really dealing with? Why? People want to see themselves in other people. They want to know I'm not mad. Do you understand? Already, nothing is hidden from God. Who's going to be courageous and brave enough to say, I'd like to take this on? How do we begin to do this? And do you know what? You may not even have the how. You may not even have the solution. All you may have is your story. All you may have is your journey to say, I struggle with this, or can we just talk about this? You don't even have to personalize it. And in doing that, you're liberating somebody from saying, you know what, I was, I was afraid and so I hid myself. Why don't many people come to church? It's not because they hate God or they think God is not real. They just don't think they're the kind of people that God is looking for. We've made it such that people think they need to be well packaged and speaking in tongues and perfect to go to church. 
So some people think if they have dreadlocks, they can't go. If they do this, they can't go. They feel like, oh, well, people are going to say, well, I'm a party boy, I'm a party girl, or I've slept around, or I've this, or I've that. The radical remnant, radical, 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 radical means you don't fit any, we are radical. And I want to ask what's radical about your story? What's radical about your message? What's radical about your approach? The Bible says that our job here is to tell, share the good news. In sharing the good news, it can't be that we just come here, we share all these fantastic things, put it in our pockets and off we go. Never share it with anybody else. Never help anybody else. Never sort anybody else out. When the Bible says that everything is laid bare before God, it means that at the end of the day, it's God that we have to deal with. But we're so, 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 so enamored, so burdened and so overwhelmed by just other people's validation. And in worrying so much about other people's validation, we've left the people behind who actually need your validation through Christ. I hope I'm not speaking over anybody's head and you're all understanding what I'm trying to say. And so now when God says, where are you? The answer to that question obviously is here. I'm here, God. I'm here with my mess. Where you left me yesterday, I'm here. I still don't know the answer, but I'm here. I'm not leaving. There's a song that I used to sing when I, I was leading worship back then. And he used to say, I really don't care anywhere you bless me, Lord, it's fine. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Are you patient enough to stay the course? Are you patient enough to stay in the place of seeking God's face? When the Bible says, knock, the door will be answered unto you. The door will be answered. Seek, you will find. Many of us just think we just do like this and that's it. Are you, are you ready to actually say, I'm here. God, I'm actually here. It's not fleeting. I'm here, whether it's nice, it's not nice. Whether I understand, I don't understand, I'm here. I'm here, I'm still worried about this particular thing you told me not to worry about. I'm still here, God, and I acknowledge it that I'm here. I'm here, I want to acknowledge that I don't think I'm beautiful. I want to acknowledge that when I sit, when I'm in a room, I lack confidence, but I'm here, God, I'm not moving because I'm going to stay here and let you do the work knowing fully, well, it might not take a day, might not take a week. I'm here, I'm here, work, do the work. It's like when you go and you're trying to fix a car or try to fix a phone, anything that's worth fixing, you lever the thing with the person who's fixing it. You don't take your car to the mechanic and then it starts to work, it takes all the parts out. And then you say, please, I need my car just for Monday and Tuesday, I'll bring it back again. It's gonna have to start all the way from the beginning. So are you ready to actually do the here part? Are you actually present? When God says, where are you? Are you really here? The answer, whenever God says, where are you? Where are you, Florence? Where are you, Fair? Where are you, Miriam? I'm here. You know, when, when they say, when they asked him, where you will find me in my father's house, I'm here. Naked, flaws, insecurities, imperfections and everything, but God is doing what he's using me. I'm not waiting till I have it all figured out. I'm here with my shame from yesterday, with my mistake from last year. I am here. And you see that nakedness, that thing that is supposed to make me ashamed, I'm going to use it. That's even the, the way to flip the script on the enemy. 
Any single time you find the enemy isolating, you need to check if it's actually, any time you feel the need to isolate yourself, you need to check if it's God or if it's the enemy, because the enemy loves to isolate you so far away from the people who can speak goodness and love and truth into your heart, that you start to only hear those voices that you feel like you shut away way before. You need to be careful when anything that starts to pull you away from the presence of God, anything that starts to pull you away from serving God. I know that one of the things that's very in right now is to say, I'm going away. If you're going away for refreshment, if you're going away for rest and respite, good. But let even your rest be focused because it's very easy for rest to become back sliding and going back into things because the devil will find work for idle hands. One of the things I always say is that if you're struggling, I'll give you an example. If you're struggling with mental health, anything, addiction, anxiety, whatever, do you realize that if you're busy, most one of the things that they would tell people who struggle with anxiety is go exercise go outside, go and do something. By the time you go outside, you look up, you look at different things. You, you're not in your bed, just, you know, the, the mind is a funny place. You may start by thinking, oh, should I wear jeans tomorrow? Or should I wear a skirt? From there, you may end up with, that's how my family is. You know, my grandmother was even, the mind is a very interesting place. And you have to be very careful when, and to ask yourself that question about your mind as well. Where is your mind? Where, where has it quickly gone? Even in this dialogue, some of us have gone and come back like three times. So I want to, to I want this to serve, I'd like for this to serve as a reminder that there's no way to hide from God. I wish Adam had known that, that the minute he goofed, he should have just, the first place to go is God, the minute, you don't even need to wait one hour. A lot of us think that we need to go and be remorseful first. So we do a whole act, don't we? Where we are just in our room and we are sad because we don't want to look as if we are taking God for granted. So you just be sad in your room and play some really sad Christian music, not the up one, the one that's just like, you know, here I am, God, you know me, you know, depressed, slow music. You know, the room is dark because you need to look like you are really remorseful. God is not interested in the song and dance. They, I'm not saying don't be remorseful, but don't waste time on that. Spend more time on God. I've messed up. I'm here. Oh. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. You see this thing that we are talking about. We talked about it two years ago. I've come back. I've done the same thing. I'm your child. You have to help me. Oh yeah, God, let's talk about it. And you stay there. Don't just dump the problem, run off. Because that's what most of us do with grace. We quickly confess the sin, but we don't learn from it. We just quickly say, God, it's me again. You know that thing I remember I said, no, I said I was going to do And then you just go. Meanwhile, God wants to tell you how to avoid it the next time. God wants to tell you what to look out for. God wants to tell you who to look out for, but you've dumped the sin. So many of us deal in two extremes. We either run away from God or we take grace for granted. There's a middle ground where you just sit and you have an honest relationship with God. And let God work through the process in you. And in that process, in those hidden parts, let him bestow upon you actual wisdom. 
Because guess what? It may be three years before you actually let go of that thing. You may fall 10 more times. In fact, the next three times may be worse than the first time. But if you are committed to getting it, if you are committed to, to being free from it, there, when God says, where are you? God, I'm here. There's nowhere do I want to go. It's me and you. When um, Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24 says, can a man hide himself in hiding places? So I do not see him, declares the Lord. Do I not feel the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord. Can a man hide himself in hiding places? Where, where have you created as a hiding place? Is it online? Is it with friends? Is it with addictions? Have you become so good at pretending and lying to yourself that you have started believing your own lie? Because that, that happens. Where are the hiding places? You know how they say there's always one friend that knows where the bodies are buried. Everybody has that friend that just has your gist. Like if you push your fights, things are going to get bad. That friend for me is my sister. If, if Topa and I fight, I'm, I should just, you know, I'll just move somewhere with, and live a bohemian life, change my name to Nancy, let it all go. Topa will finish me, you know. So the same way you understand that you, you can have hiding places. You need to be careful. Where are those places you talk yourself into? You know, sometimes we go to friends. We have one friend that instead of talking to God, we talk to that friend first. By the time you now want to talk to God, you think you've solved the problem. So you just, it's like a mention, just mention it to God. But God wants to hear about it. He wants to understand, he wants you guys to dialogue intimacy some of us replace god's advice with a friend's advice we have some friends that we think they are so wise so we go to them first i'm not saying that there's no counseling in wisdom or because the bible says in the multitude of counsel there's wisdom but nobody should replace the voice of god i'm going to round up now There's certain things that the world today has become very good at. And most of those things are temporary fixes to deep issues that we need to be courageous enough to place before God. We need to be bare and open, vulnerable enough, real enough. God wants us to be real Christians, not the Sadducees and Pharisees that quote scripture, but in our hearts, it's just action. As an artist, as an actor, I laugh a lot because many people think because of the type of songs that come to me naturally to write that I'm a sensitive person. No, many people think because I write love songs, I'm romantic, no. So many of us attribute that act with the person. And many of us as Christians have an act. So, you know, we have a voice, an act, a persona, a Christian persona that is different from our actual selves. And the question I would like to ask you is, do people really know you? 
Look at this community here. How many people know you? How bare are you? Do we know you? Do we see you? Do we hear you? Or is there an act, a script that you adapt and adopt in order to do what you think is fitting in? Whatever it is that we adapt, wherever those hidden faces are, whatever pretenses exist, whatever secret places we go to like Adam to hide, I want you to know that they are temporary. Just the same way a woman uses concealer. When she stands in front of the mirror at night and goes through her skin routine, she's gonna see the blemishes that she's trying to hide because the concealer is what? Temporary. Just the same way you go online and you use filters. Right. When people meet you in real life, they're going to see the real you because the filter is what is temporary. The same way you move to an addiction because you want to feel good. You want to breathe. You want to feel like, you know, just you want to escape a certain feeling or, or go to a certain feeling that helps you numb another feeling. Right. Guess what? The same way you go high, there's going to be a low because that thing, that addiction is just giving you a what? temporary solution if you go and you leave your room you know there's something that our grandparents and whatnot will say they say you 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 the way you lay your bed what's that thing they say that's so annoying please feel free I to unmute it, I, I think it's the way you lay your bed is the way you lie on it so yes i never like understood it but i i you know the logic is basically if you scatter your bed when you come back that's the bed that you have right you know and as younger people we think uh, why am i making the bed that i'm going to sleep in right but it's basically to say that you can't escape the thing that you left. So for many of us, we have many rooms for escapism and that's what social media is for many of us. We don't wanna deal with certain things or think about certain things. We find ourselves perpetually scrolling and whatever it is that you're looking at on social media, that escapism is what is temporary. Let me tell you something, even if you become the most famous person in the world, if the world should wake up today and cancel you temporary, even when, when you die, you cannot carry the awards and put it in the casket and say all of us are going together. It's all temporary. The only thing that is permanent is God. God is permanent. God doesn't change. You know, Yoruba people say, Agbaye, he was here, nobody can search him. Nobody knows who created God, only God knows. There are some things that is only God that knows. He is the only permanent person. So why do we gravitate towards the temporary? A lot of the things we chase after today are temporary. Ask yourself when, you, when you're going to bed, what were the permanent things that I did? What were the things that I put my effort into that were permanent? That's how you start to gauge your decision-making. Because if you're making decisions that are geared towards the permanence of your relationship with God, your legacy, your destiny, your purpose, then the things that you struggle with don't really find room. It's like you're stifling and suffocating them. But guess what? Those things that are temporary, just give you a temporary feeling. It's like girls, you know, when you have an event and you go to a makeup artist and, you know, I mean, not the makeup artist that make you look like a whole other person because 
dear, dear God, those ones exist. What I mean, the ones that, you know, literally just make you feel like, yo, I'm with a final, uh, uh, hello. In the night, before you go and sleep, you have to peel the lashes, you know, wipe all the, and you know, the, don't you now see all the many things they even put, they'll first put, I'm really bad at makeup, as you can see, I hardly wear it. I do, have you people ever even seen me actually wear makeup in these chat jobs? I don't think it's ever really happened, unless I was going somewhere by force you know, strong armed as Lamy Phillips. But really and truly, when you are wiping your face, are you not astounded at the level of product that they put? They will first put primer, after primer, concealer, after that one, foundation, after foundation, powder. Uh -uh. And this, your poor, beautiful skin is under there just saying, help me, where are you skin? I'm here, but um, faith has put many things on top of me so you can't find me again. That's what we do. We put so many layers, so many layers because we think that's what the world wants to see. But the people who are your tribe, the people who are part of your destiny, part of your purpose, want to see the real you. They don't need the layers. They make you even feel more like yourself than you've ever felt. There's certain people you will meet and you don't even need finesse. You don't need to package yourself. You don't need to watch what you're saying. You can even be quiet around them and not say anything and it won't feel awkward. That's intimacy. So when God says, where are you? Please always answer here. Always answer here. I'm right here, God. Whether it's for service, whether it's for communication, whether he wants to send you to one of his children. As Ted said, can God trust you? The, the real answer is that God doesn't need you to be perfect. He needs you to just be present. He just needs you to be there. So when God says, where are you? Let it be here. And while you are here, drag someone along. Unless, of course, you're ashamed. You know, there's sometimes you don't want anybody to come to your house. Maybe you're ashamed. But if you are proud, you want people to see what you're about, right? Let's open up a little bit. As Christians, let's open our hearts a little bit. Let's be a little bit more honest. Let's be a little bit more vulnerable. Let's have real conversations. Let's not be like Adam and go and hide behind filters, concealer, and all of the stuff that the world is doing right now. I keep repeating, I talk a lot about... Um, Maverick City. And I tell you, the reason why they're so successful is because they're right there. When God said he was looking for people, they were probably there in that their old church basement, just worshiping God. And God must have gone to the people whose voices may have been 10 times better than Chandler Moore's. But he found somebody who was willing to just be present, to say, I'm here. Same thing with people like Kirk Franklin who are ready to tell their stories and be present. Same thing with people like Fred Hammond. Fred Hammond would tell the stories easily about his divorce and things that just didn't go right. And the church then would accuse him of misleading people. Why do you love Israel and new breed? It's because he's human. We need more human people to say, I don't have the you know, perfect marriage, 
two children, a little dog, and a picket fence, and the perfect outfit every Sunday going to church. Sometimes it's jacked up. Sometimes I derailed. Sometimes I goofed. Sometimes I lost my temper. And we need to not be the Christians that will cancel. We need to be the, the Christians who will welcome and say it doesn't matter because God welcomed us. And I think that our ability to be vulnerable and to be real is directly proportional to God's ability to use us because God cannot use us if we haven't seen ourselves. He's going to use your story. He's going to use your brokenness. He's going to use your hopelessness. He's going to use those stories. The reason why you can listen to those songs and they resonate with you is because they're coming out of someone's own nakedness. That vulnerability that you hear in Navic City came out of pain, came out of an experience that someone has chosen to share through a song. The vulnerability that we hear in Psalm 51 is because David was able to say, broken and a contrite heart, you will not despise against you and you only have I done this even in your sight, that you may be justified when you speak. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed by that. For more wholesome, edifying content and to learn more about us, please head over to our Instagram page at The Radical Remnant. Also join us live for Charge Up on Sunday. We've reserved a spot just for you. All the details can be found on our Instagram. Once again, we're the Radical Remnant. Everyone, anyone, one God.